Always stay connected with 99.9% reliable Sky Broadband. Switch your home to Sky Broadband today. See sky.ie for more. For your winner by split decision. And still the undisputed When Katie Taylor stepped into the ring at Madison Square Garden in New York just over a week ago, she was, yet again, making history. We always said, one day you'll headline at Madison Square Garden. I have to be honest, I wasn't sure it would ever happen. She was. Katie has blazed a trail from the start, winning world championships, Olympic gold and professional titles. And then, on April 30th, she broke another record when an audience of 1.5 million people across more than 170 countries tuned in to watch her beat Amanda Serrano in an epic contest. It was as close as close could be, but in the end, the greatest female fighter of all time stands tall. It was, in fact, the most watched boxing match headlined by two women ever. Irish Times sports writer Johnny Waterson travelled to New York for the fight. It was very similar to the Olympic Games in London in 2012. The only difference was there were 10,000 people in London, there were 20,000 people in Madison Square Garden, so you had double the noise. I could he- feel my desk at ringside vibrating because of the noise, and it was almost like the air pressure was changing as well. So it was one of those you couldn't hear yourself speak. In 21 professional fights, Katie Taylor remains unbeaten. But after two decades of fighting in the ring, what's next for Ireland's most famous sportswoman ever? I'm Sarah Chapalak and this is In the News from the Irish Times. Today, from Bray to Madison Square Garden, the unstoppable rise of Katie Taylor. Johnny, it's clear that Katie Taylor made history again last week when she and Amanda Serrano became the first female boxers ever to headline a bill at Madison Square Garden in New York. And as Katie described it, it was the highlight of her career so far. But can we start by taking a step right back to the beginning of her career when Katie first picked up some boxing gloves and joined a club in Bray? At that time, women weren't allowed to box in Ireland. So can you remind us, Johnny, how did she first get involved in the sport? Katie's first participation in boxing came through her father. I mean, her mother was the first qualified boxing referee in Ireland, which shouldn't be forgotten as well. So there was a family influence, mum and dad. But it was dad who built the boxing ring in the back garden, you know, at Cold Stone Breeze Block Gym, as it were, with a, a punch bag and stuff. And Katie just got into boxing watching her dad. And he started training her when she was maybe 12 years old, at which stage she was playing football, playing GAA and running. She she was your typical tomboy, and she says that herself. Actually, it was football that uh, sort of grabbed her attention when she was younger, before boxing kicked in. But she started boxing initially in Enniscary, and then the dad found this place in Bray, uh, an old corrugated hut. They used to call it the tin can. Katie was 12 years old when that started, when her dad started formally mm. showing her how to, to, to stand and what to do and to throw shots and stuff like that. And how did Katie bypass the rules when it came to competing in boxing because girls weren't allowed to be part of the sport? 
No, boxing wasn't sanctioned in Ireland when she started. Um, you know, into her teenage years, when she was playing football and playing GAA and boxing, she used to call herself Kay Taylor. In those days, in amateur boxing, they wore head guards. So you, you'd put your head guard on in the changing rooms and you you would not know if it was a boy or a girl, especially, you know, at 14 years old or 15 years old. Mm. Um, and she used to do that and just sign in as Kay Taylor. And it was only when she took her head guard off after the fight that could she they could see she was a girl. So that that's the way she got around it. And there was no sanctioned boxing in Ireland uh, until I think... Katie fought against a girl called Alana Audley from from Northern Ireland, at which stage Katie was 15 years old. And, and, and that sort of kicked off the legal aspect of her boxing in Ireland. The first female boxing match was held in National Stadium last Halloween night and saw 15-year-old Katie Taylor boxing away to glory as she easily defeated her 16-year-old Belfast opponent. With an impressive result of 23-11, it looks like this schoolgirl from Ray is a definite one to watch for the future. What influence did Katie herself and her parents have on getting that across the line when, when she did that fight? Parents pushed it 100%. They were pushing it all the time. Um, as I said, her mom became the first female referee and judge in Irish boxing. Pete was a boxer himself. And just as he saw his kids, because Katie's brothers were also boxers, and they just saw no reason why girls shouldn't box. So, you know, we look back at it now and it seems such a, an obvious thing to to do. If you're a boxer, you should go and box and compete in whatever sport you want to compete in. But that wasn't the case. So the, Pete Taylor was big into pushing. Katie was big into pushing and their mum, Bridget, was big into pushing it. And they just pushed, pushed, pushed all the time because they had to. And finally, at, at 15, that door opened and... From there on, because Katie was so successful, she drove the whole process. And with her dad, largely then, her dad was her coach. Her dad coached her to her first European Championships when she was 18 years old. And he, he continued coaching her right up until before the Rio Olympics in 2016. As you say, so things really started to kick off for Katie in her mid-late teens. But when did the public begin to take notice of this young woman? They really took their time in taking notice of Katie Taylor because she was winning European and World Championships way back as early as 2005 was the first mm. time she became European champion. People only really took notice of her a few years before the Olympic Games in 2012. By that stage, she'd won maybe four European championships and three world titles. And then 2012, it just absolutely took off when she won the gold medal. Katie had been campaigning to get women's boxing accepted and, and specifically women's boxing into Olympic Games. And she had been noticed by world boxing. And to the point that they asked her in 2007 at the men's world championships in Chicago to come over and do an exhibition bout uh, in front of them. Basically, get up there and show us how good you are. And she fought against a girl called Katie Dunn, another Katie, who was a Canadian. And she was the three times 
Pan American champion. So Katie got up and she finished the fight in the first round. And so they all had a look at this. Katie thinking that, you know, maybe women's boxing could be included in the roster in 2008. That didn't happen. She was deeply disappointed about that. She thought, you know, they'd done enough at that stage to show that it, it had depth. They were talented athletes and, and it should be in the Olympic Games because men's boxing had been in the Olympic Games since the year dot. So it took four more years until London. And maybe her name in those four years, moving closer and closer to London 2012, her name started getting bigger and bigger and being recognized outside the sport of boxing. And certainly after 2012, when she won the gold medal, it had all exploded. A hero returns. Katie Taylor rolled into Bray on an open-top bus around 5 o'clock this evening to be greeted by crowds lining the streets and a rapturous welcome. I mean, how monumental was that moment in 2012 when she won the gold medal? For Ireland, I mean, the last gold medal we had won was Michelle Smith in 1996 at Atlanta, so, um, and a bit of far more controversy around that one. So what did it signal, this win in 2012, for Katie? It signalled... And this is, looking back now in 2012 isn't so long ago, it signaled that women's boxing deserves to be in the Olympic Games as if it needed to prove itself to be in the Olympic Games. But this has been the sort of Olympic attitude since the first modern games in 1896. Every single step of the way, women's sport has had to prove it's good enough to be in the Olympic Games. So looking back, it was a watershed for boxing in a historical sense that it was in the Olympic roster for amateur boxing. The Olympic roster was the most important thing because it took the sport outside those boxing fans and, and put it into an Olympic environment where everyone seems to enjoy the Olympics as a spectacle every four years. Not necessarily people who are that interested in sport, but they understand it to be a global event full of sports they maybe wouldn't watch from one end of the year to the other, but they will every four years. So it put boxing in the shop window, which is the Olympic Games. And that really that really blew it out to a lot more people and gave it a bigger interest and more, more curiosity about women's boxing. And Katie was at the forefront of that from the very beginning. And after Katie's incredible gold medal win in London in 2012, her ascent seemed almost unstoppable. Until 2016, that is, when she parted ways with her father, Pete, who had been her trainer, as you mentioned, from day one. What do we know about that moment and how did it impact her performance? Yeah, 2016 was probably the... uh, And Katie doesn't talk about it very much, so people just look on and maybe have their own views. Um, Her dad stopped being in her corner just before Christmas, so that was twenty, the end of 2015. She boxed in the national championships and it was the first time her dad wasn't in her corner for as long as any, anyone could remember. And that remained the case right through 2016 up to the Olympic Games where she lost her first fight against a, a, a fighter mm. who she had beaten several times before. Um, the mum and dad's problems affected Katie and the mum and dad then had split up at that point and... Katie was just one of the kids in the middle, I suppose. And the result of the parents' difficulties sort of impinged on Pete's job in the corner. And I think they they believed that the best thing was for him to step back and someone else to go in the corner. But just, I suppose, 
the emotional acceptance and turmoil that that caused for the previous 12 months before Rio probably had its effect. And if you look at Katie's career, the months from the beginning of 2016 and the Olympic Games, she's never had worse results. Mm. I think I saw her lose twice at, at the World Championships in Azerbaijan, which I was at, and again in a qualifier. I'd never seen her lose. She hadn't lost since 2005 in the European or World Championships. And that year I saw her lose twice. So something was up. She wasn't in the right frame of mind and she went to Rio not in the right frame of mind. It's very cruel to have to ask a fighter to sum up their feelings of obvious disappointment. But Katie, give me your reaction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I understand how difficult it is, Katie. Yeah. Yeah, it's very... Okay, yeah. Uh, it is very disappointing. Um, it's been a very, very tough year. Six years ago, I received a message from Katie Taylor asking if she could come and see me. So it was after Rio 2016 that she sent a message to boxing promoter Eddie Hearn telling him that she was seriously considering turning professional. How did that message change her life and her career trajectory? Yeah, after Rio, Katie sent the message to Eddie Hearn, who is one of the biggest boxing promoters in the world. He only ever promoted male boxers. He wouldn't have known much about Katie at all. Katie sat down uh, with herself, largely, and probably her mom, um, and decided who she wanted to train her. And she picked this guy called Ross Enemy. And he wasn't a well-known boxing trainer. She just liked the way that he had made videos, fitness videos and training videos. And she could connect with the way he was doing that. He chose her. And he sent a letter to Eddie Hearn, one of the biggest boxing promoters in the world. Hearn would have had no clue about women's boxing. He would have been sceptical about it, like a lot of people. He would have seen this as a bolt out of the blue. And who is this person, Katie Taylor? And I think he liked the sort of chutzpah of of Katie. Picking him, who he knows he's one of the biggest boxer promoters in the world, and saying, I want you to promote me. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to change the face of professional boxing for women. I'm going to be the world champion within a number of years. And I'm going to break down all the barriers so he took a punt mm. and he took a punt and he started promoting her. I have to be honest, I wasn't sure it would ever happen. She was. She's one of the most inspirational characters I have ever, ever met. And I know how, much, how proud you guys are. Coming up, can Katie bring professional boxing back to Dublin? suffer the buffer again. Always stay connected with 99.9% reliable Sky Broadband. Whether you're streaming on the sofa, gaming in the bedroom, or swiping in the bathroom. Hey! Get out of here! I said swiping. You'll never be without it. 
Switch your home to 99.9% reliable Sky Broadband. Availability subject to location requires Sky Broadband Ultrafast. For more info, see sky.ie forward slash speeds. 99.9% reliability based on time our broadband network works across our base. So, Johnny, coming back to her fight at Madison Square Garden with Serrano, it was a split decision from the judges, which of course brings up the question about a rematch. And there's now talk of it happening at Croke Park, which Katie seems fully on for. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, a rematch would be absolutely phenomenal. And if it was in Dublin, we could sell out Croke Park, I would say 9,000 people. Um, so that would be unbelievable. We, we've seen something special here tonight. Imagine flying in front of 80 or 90,000 people in Croke Park. Um, absolutely, that, that can happen. But Katie has never actually fought professionally in Ireland before, and not for lack of trying. Didn't her promoter Eddie Hearn try to make a fight happen in the three arena? but was warned by Garthy to pull back for safety reasons. Boxing in Dublin since 2016 has been non-existent. Since the Regency Hotel shooting and the death of David Byrne, boxing in Dublin had, well, it had been not infiltrated by crime, but, but a lot of people involved in crime tended to go to boxing events. Professionally, Male boxing had just stopped. Um, and it was difficult to find out exactly why, because we I asked people like Brian Peters, who's Katie's manager, and he's an Irish guy, you know, why can't you say something in Dublin? And what was coming back was, well, security issues, insurance around staging boxing events. Really no more detail than that. You basically, you go to the guard, say, yeah, I want to put on a big boxing event. They'll say, well, here are the, the issues you face. And while he didn't tell us explicitly what those issues were, what was coming back was it just it wasn't a viable prospect. But as you mentioned, one of those major problems for boxing in Ireland over the last few years has been the activities of the Kinnahan drug cartel. But then last month, the United States announced it was offering $5 million for anyone who could bring Daniel Kinnahan to justice for his role in leading the cartel. And now MTK Global, the boxing management company that Daniel Kinnahan founded in 2012 and one of the biggest entities in global professional boxing, it has now ceased trading. So could this moment in time actually be the perfect opportunity for Katie to finally have that fight in Ireland that she's dreamed of? The whole Kinnahan thing and MTK is one of the positive reasons it could go ahead in, in Croke Park. That there is a feeling now that maybe they have a handle on it, that, you know, it's that activity mightn't be as active as it was before, that it's now a safer place to hold a boxing event. The other hand, it's the same people. I don't I don't know if the MTK thing will make such a huge difference. I think the optics of it certainly make a difference. The fact that the USA have cracked down, other people associated with him actually were refused entry to the US for Katie's fight. Several people who were connected with him. Okay. Um, one of them a well-known boxer. Um, so there are differences, certainly. And there, there has been a crackdown on not just Daniel Kinahan and his close associates, but others who were involved in MTK. That, that would be a good thing for boxing. It has to be seen to be safe. And certainly for something like Katie, 
been involved, it would have to be seen to be family friendly as well, mm. because children will turn up and families will turn up. You know, it, it would always, and it has always been on our minds and would feel a big shame if she didn't get a chance to fight in Ireland, you know, during her career. So um, if we could do that, you know, and, and back end of the summer, set there's, you know, it was a, a tough fight, she's gonna need some rest. Not too much rest knowing Katie, but certainly, certainly on the mind of us all. So then Johnny, do you think a Croke Park fight could actually happen in the near future? There are lots of positives why it should happen. And as you say, one of them is that Irish people have never seen Katie Taylor fight. She's now be 36, I think, in July. She's not going to go on forever. And there seems to be a bit of energy behind this Croke Park event now. But there are reasons also why it would be difficult. Partly the reasons boxing has faced since the Regency of Town in 2016. Also partly because, well, who's going to pay for it? The people paying for Katie's bouts at the moment have been Sky, Sky Sport, and the most recent one was Dazen, D-A-Z-N, who sell subscriptions in America. So if Katie was to fight in Croke Park, prime time in America would be 8 or 9 in the evening. So you're talking about about, in Croke Park, maybe 2 a.m. Irish time. And, you know, you're wondering with all the residence issues and... You know, the, the concerts that have to finish at 11 p.m. Are you going to get Katie Taylor to fight at two in the morning in Croke Park with a proposed 80,000 people there? Then how are those people going to get home afterwards? And are the residents going to be happy about this? Although people are saying, well, it's Katie, they will be happy. <laughs> it's, not, it's not you too, <laughs> you know. So, you know, those issues need to be sorted out. Would it be viable just to discard US TV and the pay subscriptions no, it's a money issue. But I don't know if there are ways around it. Um, they, they didn't. They just said, yeah, this is a good idea. But boxing promoters say, yeah, this is a good idea every time they open their mouth. Katie has essentially taken a sport that didn't exist for women in Ireland and is now toying with the idea, as we've discussed, of filling Croke Park with 80,000 people. What does this tell us, Johnny, about how she has totally changed how people view women in all sports, particularly boxing, but all sports as well. It, it's Katie's unusual in that she's become famous globally now, in, in Ireland particularly so, obviously, through a sport that most women don't like. And I, I, of course, that's me just surmising of what talking to people, and it's, it's, it's not a science-based declaration. But mm. she's made it boxing, kitchen table conversation. She's become a gold medal winner and a world champion boxer into a, 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 almost a cultural figure. She's superseded the sport. She's grabbed attention as much for her conduct and her lifestyle and her boxing. It's also the way she conducts herself before the fights and after the fights. People even like the fact that she had a him on her ring walk. I think you don't you don't need to be a religious person to admire someone who has that strength and that core strength, something they really deeply believe in. And all of those things have come together. The history of her banging down the doors every step of the way, the fact that she's been so successful have 
coalesced into sort of elevating her from boxing into an iconic cultural figure. And I think mm. that has changed a lot of things that simply being a good boxer wouldn't have done. But Katie still remains a very private person. And as our Irish Times colleague Malachi Clerken wrote this week, she still remains to all intents and purposes largely unknowable. She lives a pretty quiet life in Connecticut in the US. What do we know about her daily life there? Her She lives in a place called Vernon in Connecticut. The reason she went there was to be beside her coach, Ross. Ross is from that area. And another big decision, no bother, I'll just move countries and go to America and live beside Ross and train. It's it's a small place. I don't think she has invited anyone over apart from her family and her mom <laughs> and Bridget. Uh, that suits her. She, you know, when you talk to Katie, one of the first things she will say is, I found a church that I like. Mm. And that's, a, that's an important aspect of it. She has found a church that she likes there. She found a coach that she likes and she's found a lifestyle that suits her. Um, recently, it was reported that Katie bought a speedboat, and this was shock horror. Katie Taylor actually spent her money on what many people saw was <laughs> an extravagant piece of kit, a speedboat. But actually, people said, well, "Good, Katie's, you know, Katie's <laughs> spending a bit on herself." Finally, mm -hmm. you know, instead of locking herself up in this small apartment and it is a small apartment when you when you see cuts of it on video it's a, a tiny apartment where she just trains and goes to church and gets herself in shape for the next fight so to answer your question very little is known about her day-to-day -day life in connecticut but that's the way she is and that's part of her i suppose mystery and it's part of her allure and it's part of why people like her that she isn't selling herself all the time you don't see her selling any products either um not because she People aren't asking her. It's because she doesn't want to. And in fact, the only time Katie is ever garrulous and talks at length is when you talk about her religion and ask her about Christianity. She will talk happily talk about that uh, more articulately, maybe, than she talks about boxing even. And Johnny, finally, what about the next few years of Katie's boxing career? She's turning 36 in July, but there have been zero mention of plans for her to step aside. How much longer do you think she can keep fighting successfully and safely at this age and at the level she's at? Katie has already said, and she said it after beating Amanda Serrano in New York, that she wasn't thinking of retiring. She was asked that. I think she's asked it nearly every time. And I, for one, wouldn't assume to tell her when she's going to retire. She knows the time to retire. There was speculation prior to Serrano that, you know, over the five years she's been a professional, she's slightly slowed down. And if you slightly slow down in boxing, that's a big problem because you get hit more. And Katie's boxing has been not to get hit. It has been her speed. Um, she's just beaten the second best fighter in the world. Katie is now the best pound for pound. Mm. That would have been in dispute prior to the fight. So... The reality is that women's boxing, they do go on to an older age. There are a lot of women in their mid-30s and late-30s still boxing. I suppose it's how much punishment she wants to take, whether it's good for her health, whether there are other priorities. I suppose she's asking herself, why should I retire? She doesn't see it as being unhealthy. If she did, she probably would retire. So as long as she has that perspective 
It's how she thinks, how she feels about it. And at the moment, she's no plans to do that. Johnny Watterson, thanks so much for your time today. You're welcome. No problem. That's all for today. This episode was produced by Suzanne Brennan and Jennifer Ryan. In the News will be back on Wednesday. Undefeated and undisputed. Huh?